Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Kaita Fakarongo mai kwekito tato el horihori kita reo irirangi o aotearoa. This is Our Changing World on RNZ National, and now, lizards. We have more than a hundred species of skinks and geckos in New Zealand. They can be very surreptitious, which is probably why we're still discovering new species of them. And there's a lot we don't know about even some of the more common species, which got Victoria University of Wellington student Chris Woolley wondering. He wants to know what lizard species we have in our cities, how many of them there are, and what we could do to give them a helping hand. I meet Chris at one of his research sites, which is a somewhat unexpected lizard hotspot in Wellington. So this is a site that I'm particularly interested in because it's quite marginal. It's a very small patch of land. It's mainly caprosmas, tussock and harakeke. But it's really sandwiched between this very busy road and the water. And I've noticed there are lizards here. What are you looking at in particular? Right, so the project that I'm working on is part of a much bigger project called People, Cities and Nature, which is led by Professor Bruce Clarkson at Waikato University. So the project itself is um, looking at ecological restoration in cities and answering the question about how we can encourage nature to flourish in our, in our cities. So there's nine cities that are being used across the country and there's six different research streams. Three of them are social, and they're looking at um, people's relationships with nature um, and different cultural aspects of that. And three of them are ecological, and my project on lizards comes under one of the ecological angles. So the other two are a replanting vegetation angle, and there's a a mammal monitoring um, aspect as well. So with the lizard project, we're trying to work out what lizards occur where in urban environments and what can be done to restore them. Okay, so why don't you take me and show me what you're doing? Sure, so we're just over here. I've got three stations along here, one of which is a pitfall trap site, and we'll have a look at that, and I can talk you through the setup of the the pitfall traps. And then the other two on either side of it are um, ACO sites. ACOs are what? Artificial (laughs) cover objects. And these I'm using is part of my citizen science angle, getting members of the public to check them. So we're in here. So we better describe a pitfall trap. It's basically a bucket dug it's into the bucket. ground. Yeah, it's a four-litre um, pail. The buckets go into the ground so that the opening is flush with the surface. And on top of them we have these lids that are propped up on, on what looks like kind of tent pegs. And that provides shelter from the sun, shelter from the rain, um, and prevents bird predation. Inside them you'll see a mesh grill and that is to help prevent mouse predation because obviously we're working in urban environments and it's not like a predator-proof sanctuary where we can we be confident that we don't have rodents so there is a need to try and mitigate that if possible. So you've got a few of these scattered through the grass? That's right, so there's 25 um, in a 5x5 oh, <laughs> grid at 12 sites around the city 
and that's being replicated across four different cities for my part of the project. So what other cities are you working in? I'm looking at Hamilton, um, Nelson and Needham as well as here in Wellington. Yeah. So this is trap number VA7 and we'll lift it up and have a wee look around inside. So in here I've thrown a bit of debris to make the lizards feel relatively comfortable. There's a moist sponge to prevent them um, desiccating. So we use pear as a food for them. It's nice and sweet and they, they do like it. Um, and it also acts as a little bit of a lure. And there's the, the wire mesh. Because I imagine mice and rats are a big problem for lizards in cities. Yeah, that's right. So there's a lot of trapping going on here in Wellington and a lot of the focus is on, um, on increasing bird abundance. And everything that threatens birds pretty much... Um, also has a negative impact on lizards and more. So with things like hedgehogs that people don't often think about, and of course cats are a real problem. Yes, I was somewhere this morning and um, somebody had some lizards and this woman came along and said, oh, my cat catches them all the time. So yeah. that's the classic story. That's a, a really popular thing that I've been hearing as I've been um, getting around houses and recruiting citizen scientists, especially their cat used to catch them, and the numbers just went gradually lower and lower. So there is, I think, potential that we're seeing declining trends in lizards in cities, and it's just a matter of trying to quantify that so that we know more. Oh, there's one. Oh, oh, there we go. Now that's a beautiful wee thing. So who's that? So that is a, uh, a common skink or a northern grass skink, and um, you can see that he's suffered some tail loss. They do that to distract whatever's hunting them, don't they? Yeah, they do, but it's... Something some people don't realise is that it is at a cost to the, the animal. Obviously, they're losing some of their fat storage and that sort of thing. It's not an ideal situation. Now, the purpose of these pitfall traps, what is it? These traps allow us to catch the lizards and then process them by hand. So we, we weigh them and we measure them and uh, we can sex them. And this allows us to, to understand some, some things about the population. We also mark them, and that means that when we come back, if we're catching the same individual time after time, we can run it through some sort of algorithm that will estimate the population size. In um, urban environments, lizards could do really well. They, they can cope with small patches, they don't move very much, and so it's possible to restore them in your own backyard. We'll head up over here to the, uh, the ACO. Okay, so an ACO, your artificial cover, is what exactly? Well, it's, it's made of a bitumen-soaked fabric, I believe, which is um, it's used in, as a roofing material and as a cladding sometimes. Is that what they call onduline? On, yeah, onduline, that's right. And we use it in sheets that are 40 by 50 centimetres. It's corrugated, and it's the thermal properties. Nobody home under here. So um, you just lifted it up, so you were expecting perhaps to have a lizard or two yes, sitting underneath. Yes, that's right, potentially. The material itself gets very warm in the sun, um, and it heats up and it retains its heat. The reason we use two is to increase the surface area, I guess. Um, and also some lizards, particularly geckos, like to squeeze themselves between two warm surfaces. So and you can see it's pretty low-tech. We've just stuck some sticks between the two layers in order to keep them about a finger-width apart. So this could be something that I could use in my garden as a way of providing a safe place for the lizards? That's right. Yeah, so with my the citizen science aspect, there's two angles that I'm taking to my monitoring. 
The first is this pitfall trapping idea. So at 12 sites in each of the cities I'm working, I'm doing intensive pitfall monitoring, and that gives me a range of different data. I can I can look at the health of the population by looking at um, the body condition based on the the mass of the animal versus its, um, its length, and I can look at the size of the population, those sorts of things. The ACOs can be used for that as well if you're fast enough to catch them, if you're checking them at certain times of the day, but I'm, I'm using them to to engage people to do my um, data collection by, um, by giving them to people in their backyards to be citizen scientists and record data uh, and whatever data they can gather. It's fairly untried, and so it may just be that we can, we can get presence data out of it. So people who previously didn't see skinks or geckos in their, in their backyard now do, and we can look at the intensity with which they're they're monitoring, the sort of search effort they're putting into it and compare that to what they're seeing and this provides us a standardised way for them to be recording some data. So that's happening in backyards and some of the backyards people have been willing to, for me also to dig in pitfall traps and the idea is to calibrate these, the use of this citizen science um, ACO approach against my pitfall trapping. So how many lizard species do we have here in Wellington City? So these these guys? So New Zealand has two families of lizards, and those are skinks and geckos. And in Wellington we have about four species of skinks and at least three species of um, gecko. So the ones that people are most likely to see in their backyards are things like the, um, the northern grass skink, um, brown skinks, or the, the glossy brown skinks now, the ornate skink and uh, the copper skink, the, the four skink species. And of course the geckos are slightly more, I think they're slightly more charismatic and they tend to hang around a little bit longer, a little bit slower. The beautiful green geckos that we have here and then the forest and the common gecko. Yeah. Now are we likely to find all of these in gardens or are some of them better in gardens than others? Do some need more intact forest? Well, these are the sorts of things that we don't really know. I think it depends on where your backyard is, and if it's a lot of manicured lawn and planted gardens, I think it's less likely to have to have anything. But in certain locations and places that, that border reserves, and particularly untidy, messy backyards with long grass or piles of sticks, um, people say that in their wood piles around Wellington they certainly get geckos. And yeah, I've got a a friend in Karori who. Um, has a, a, a lovely stone garden around a picnic table um, with lots of natives planted there, and he gets skinks. So I'm, I'm not sure. It's a combination of what you have in the um, exact location in your backyard, and so in terms of the basking surfaces and the crevices for things to hide in, but it's also where you are in the city and how close you are to existing populations of lizards. Well, I have house geckos, and I say that, that they're house geckos because they do actually live in my house. So... They live in the in the wall and they commute between inside and outside and I find them round yeah. about inside foraging around in the pantry. And, You're very lucky. Um, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about them, which is why I don't have a cat. But if I, if I didn't see them in the house, I wouldn't know I had geckos. Mm. That's right. I think a lot of people won't know what they have until they potentially start monitoring and that's one of the things that I'm... I'm really excited about people who who have become citizen scientists who don't think they have anything. I'm hoping that some of them may discover certain aspects of biodiversity, be it lizards or other invertebrates that are kind of cool, in their backyards that they didn't know they had. You're carrying out the study in four different cities. Are you expecting to find 
very similar results or do you think they could be quite different? Probably different results and I think that will it could depend on a lot of different things. The distribution of lizards across the country does vary um, in terms of the, the biogeography of lizards. So s- species that occur in the North Island don't necessarily occur in the South Island. And there's also regional differences within islands. So there could be differences like that, but there could also be differences because of things like temperature and the interaction that has with predators. In cooler environments, there might be lizards may not be able to move as fast and so predation could have a greater effect and so it could be that um, species that have survived because they're able to move faster and that allows them to not be predated upon in the North Island, that's not true for the South Island. It also depends on the sort of um, the history of the city as well, um, the amount of vegetation that's been cleared and the sort of environments that have been preserved. So I think we're very fortunate here in Wellington and I'm not sure that there'll be another city which can compete with the number of lizards that we have here. That was Chris Woolley from Victoria University of Wellington and the People's Cities Nature Research Project. Thanks for listening. I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World podcast first aired on RNZ National on November the 30th, 2017. We are on the web at rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld and on Twitter and Facebook as RNZ Science. Subscribe to our podcasts at Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Radio Public, and the RNZ app. Bye for now. Hey, Kornamai. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.